Hello there, welcome to Maker Mixtapes. I'm Tom and today we're talking about what still works in content marketing today. Maker Mixtapes is all about the marketers, creators and entrepreneurs doing great things from content marketing to YouTube, SaaS to consumer technology. My goal is to dissect their success. Kyle McCarthy is the senior content strategist at Acton. And here we talk about how to communicate the value of content and manage expectations with the C-suite, why you should focus on more granular content topics today, and whether or not gated content still has a place in the content marketing ecosystem. It's an interesting chat and acts as a great reminder that despite what some may think about a particular approach to content marketing, if it still works, that's all that matters. Do enjoy. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going? Hi, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, ticking along, I think is the word of the moment. So I thought a great place to start the beginning of your quote-unquote content career, it looks like you started as a, a lead editor, right? How did that prepare you for the world of marketing, going from you know editorial to content marketing specifically? Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of probably a bit of a long-winded answer. So I've, I've definitely had an interesting career path. I have an English background, uh, English literature as my undergrad, and then I, I have a master's in English. I was, I was kind of that kid who was writing short stories about like what my stuffed animals were up to while I was in school all day. And then in middle school, I'd, you know, write poetry about the girls I had a crush on or whatever. So writing's always been a big passion of mine. And then, you know, when I finished school, I got out of grad school, it became really clear to me that like Random House wasn't going to come knocking on my door with a book deal just because like my mom thinks I'm a good writer, you know? So I kind of had to figure out how to leverage my skill set. And that was my first position was the one that you'd mentioned was as a, a lead content editor for kind of a, a smaller, like homeopathic website based in the Midwest here in the States. But it was cool because what they'd done was they created a, a website entirely separate from like their product line as its own channel for like, quote unquote, free advertising. It was like their genius way of getting around the exorbitant prices at the time of Google ads uh, for some of the, the products that they were trying to sell. So I didn't just like, I wasn't sitting around writing about the product. I was actually writing about like different health and wellness topics. I wrote a lot about like different cultural things here in the States. Like I had a blog called Culturology that was all about like Mad Men was a big deal at the time. So I had like weekly Mad Men commentaries. I, I wrote about new album releases, stuff like that. The whole point just to have this channel that would draw traffic, we could do free advertising on, right? At the time I had three or four writers underneath me. I was fresh out of school. I'd basically not done anything in the work field other than substitute teaching and like delivering pizzas. You know, so it was a big challenge for me. It was very different to be working with writers, some of whom, you know, were actually still in school themselves and managing freelancers and stuff. So it was a unique experience. It was an excellent learning experience and one that I wouldn't trade for anything because it really introduced me to the world of digital marketing, which, like I said, given my more of my writing and English background at the time, I didn't have any of. So it was a really great introduction to this whole realm. Writing about health and wellness topics, was it as competitive? I say back then, I'm not sure how far back we're talking here, but right. was it as competitive then as it is now? Because, you know, it's quite a, a tricky subject to write about these days. Yeah, I would say, I, I would say honestly, probably not. But it was like the beginning of this 
this massive, massive digital push with health and wellness, with a lot of websites popping up and a lot of like insurance carriers understanding the power of like inbound marketing, stuff like that. Obamacare had just come into play. So yeah, it was a different field back then, but it was like, I would say that it was kind of the, um, it's the origin story of the health and wellness is, is when right at the time when I was popping into it. Fair enough. So you didn't have to uh, deal with Google's your money or your life ranking factor exactly fair play yes not yet not yet not the way it is today it sounds like it was quite a a trial by fire affair then you know you were you were fresh out of college after (laughs) delivering pizzas i was about to say ordering pizzas that would be (laughs) an amazing job did you learn any editorial or operational tricks and tips that kind of still serve you today i mean tom a hundred percent man like i literally (laughs) i didn't know what an editorial calendar was right (laughs) I didn't understand like even the the most basics of SEO. I didn't know like I didn't know what those little Google ads that always annoyed the heck out of me on, on my browser like were like where they led or how that tied into like a larger content strategy for these companies. They just annoyed me, right? Like I didn't I didn't realize how all of these things work together or in some cases that some of these things even existed. So it was kind of a funny give or take. Like I got the position, I think, because of like my really strong educational background. But then, you know, some of my team members and colleagues who were my subordinates were kind of coaching me along through a lot of these processes. So I really owe a lot to them. And I really appreciate all of their help back in the day there because there was so much that I just honestly, frankly, I had no idea about. I knew what good writing looked like, but I didn't know necessarily what good writing for the web looked like at the time. So it was a really cool two years for me to start understanding like, okay, well, here's this thing called Google Analytics. Here's this thing called Google Search Console. And like, here's how you use it. And wait, why why is all this content that I think is so wonderful not performing well? Because it's really, really great content. Oh, because it's not properly structured for search and it's not properly structured for like a really great user experience. It's awesome writing, but like other people don't want to read, you know? 3000 words on, you know, the last vampire weekend album, you know, they, uh, they want 500 words on something that they're really asking questions about and a, and a problem that they want to solve. Yeah, it really allowed you to act it as a platform into the world of marketing then. It's interesting. 100%. Yep, 100%. And then honestly, every subsequent position I've had since then, I feel like has really catapulted me into becoming a, a more well rounded, better digital marketer, better content strategist, you know, I was definitely a copywriter you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. And now I feel like definitely much more of a content director. Yeah. We'll get into that kind of director role in a second. But I also noticed just kind of following your career journey here that you led content strategy at a legal firm. Was this for the the firm itself or sorry, a legal marketing firm? Yeah. Yeah. So I was after that lead content editor experience, I met some fellows who owned a branding agency and that gave me a chance to really further hone some of my skills that we've been talking about around like inbound web strategies, UX, information architecture. Again, things that like I, I didn't even really know much about at all. I went to a couple of like night courses around content strategy, learned a lot more about it there. Basically, what makes people get more out of your website? How do you turn like a tire kicker into someone who's actually interested as a customer? How do you turn that customer into an opportunity? So again, I was kind of learning the ropes there. And then I got a call one day that kind of literally changed my life. A really good friend of mine from graduate school, he's a really talented writer, marketer. His name's Dave Vandois. He asked if I was interested in joining him at an agency that his friend was starting, Chip LaFleur. And that's LaFleur Marketing. They're based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And at the time, 
there were four or five of us starting this brand new agency. We had a handful of clients. It was very, very mom and pop, very basic, just startup, right? And they were focusing very heavily on the legal vertical because that's where kind of, that's where Chip came from, Chip LaFleur. He came from that background and he had some contacts there. And I think that's where I really went from like copywriter to content strategist. Like I had a crash course in SEO lead scoring, social media, demand gen tactics, like all of the things that most marketers think of as very fundamental that weren't really in my wheelhouse at the time. But Chip and the team were super patient. They taught me so much about like every phase of digital marketing, the customer lifecycle. And I'm just really grateful to Dave and Chip and that whole crew. They do great work and they do a lot more than just legal marketing. Now they're into the healthcare sphere. They do B2C stuff and uh, super, super great learning opportunity for me. I was there for, for like four or five years. My girlfriend and I decided to move to Portland, Oregon, just to kind of get out of the Midwest, which is where we're from. We've been there our whole lives. And so I started looking for a new opportunity out here and that's how I ended up at Acton. But I think where I really, really cut my teeth and, and made the most advances was at LaFleur for sure. Yeah. And sorry, just to, to clarify, were you running the contest strategy for clients? Were you kind of leading yes. that side yep. of things? Yep. They're a full service agency. So they do the gambit of, you know, any, any sort of digital marketing tactics that, that you could think of. How does the content side of things work for a, a legal firm then? Is it, is it very much writing about specific things around the law or were there other pain points that yeah. you, were, you would help? Yeah, well, right, sure. So it's when it comes to legal marketing, I think from a content perspective, organic is such a big thing because legal keywords for, for PPC are wildly expensive. I'm, I'm talking 80 to $100 per click per conversion. So like organic is a really, really big deal, but it actually lends itself really nicely to the legal field because, you know, when you're having a legal issue, whether it's, you know, you're going through a divorce or uh, you have brain ankle in a parking lot, right? You're asking questions of the search engine, right? Like, so it lends itself really, really nicely to this cool combination of content marketing and legal marketing where, if you're doing your research right, you know, if you're being a good boy or a good girl and you're hopping on Moz or SEMrush or ClearScope, whatever it is that you're using to your competitive research, you can really get a good feel for what people in your region and within your state or, or whatever area that you service are actually searching for. You can service them fairly easily because you understand the questions that they're asking and, and the problems they're trying to solve. And then, you know, you do a little bit of further research, you ask your client a few questions about, you know, their subject matter expertise. And all of a sudden you've got 800 words that succinctly answer these great questions and you're on the first page of Google. Amazing. And I'm guessing you managed to succeed in doing that. Eh? Yes, we did. I did. The company did. They've grown a lot. They're up to like 20 employees and, you know, 50, 60 some odd clients. So they're doing wonderful. And I think I think I was a big part of that growth, or I certainly like to think I was part of that. I never lost a client. We didn't lose many as a team, but I never did. And we started burgeoning out into, like I said, at that point, we started moving into healthcare, which also we spoke about a little bit earlier. I have, I have some experience in. It's another thing that really lends itself very well to organic search because it's oftentimes, here's my challenge. Cool. Here's a solution. It just makes sense from a content perspective. So they grew a lot. I grew a lot as a writer, as a person. I made some great friends. And then I took a, another step. Amazing. And that step, fast forwarding to the present day, is an Acton. Yeah. The, the marketing automation platform. And I was looking through your library of content earlier this week. And I noticed you have a pretty robust content strategy, at least from the 
outside looking in. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're up to there? Yeah, well, <laughs> robust, I think that's that's a very nice way of putting it. And I really appreciate that because that is what we are going for, uh, which isn't to say that we're going for like volume over quality. But I think, you know, when we break down our personas and we look at, you know, who we're trying to target among our different audience segments, it's pretty vast. You know, we have a lot of different people and in industries and marketers of all kinds of skill sets and experience levels who are looking for some sort of automation, right? And we know that we can't be all things to all people all the time, but that doesn't mean that we can't really hone in on this matrix of, of our personas based on, you know, are they an influencer? Are they a decision maker? Okay, cool. What industry are they in? What kind of solution are they actually looking for? What size is their company? So I try to write a lot of different content that's going to satisfy all of these persona needs. And I can't say that we don't still have gaps, but the goal is to make sure that we are satisfying every stage of the life cycle for every persona that we've identified. Of course, there's going to be outliers. There are going to be you know, certain people in certain industries who like maybe don't fit every persona that we've created, but that doesn't mean at the same time that they can't look at things that might be adjacent to where they're at as far as their organization's growth or what vertical they're in and kind of make some of those comparisons. So the biggest thing for us is, is making sure that we are executing against our personas across the life cycle. And I think we're doing a good job of that. Yeah, I know how, for lack of a better word, it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially when you are marketing to several different personas because you probably have so many ideas and you need to know which ones to prioritize right now. Do you have some kind of system when it comes to yeah, prioritizing what to do first and next. Yeah, well, not not to be too blasé about it, but like, I mean, number <laughs> one, a lot of it comes top down. What are our business goals? And there are a lot of smart people among our executive leadership and our board of directors who have a very clear vision for what they want to accomplish and what they want to execute against. So nothing, nothing major is going to happen from a content strategy perspective without at least a hefty thumbs up from some really key stakeholders. So that's really where it starts. Do you ever have um, to, to push back and communicate that it's not the right thing sometimes? I do a little bit sometimes. Again, I really respect you know the people that I work with and for, and they're really smart people. But I think especially I'm very fortunate to come from that agency background where, uh, Tom, you know, I'm, I'm used to dealing with clients, right? And clients are the best part of the job and they can sometimes be a very difficult part of the job. So I think I'm I'm fairly used to navigating those relationships and showing them where the proof points are, which that's all they care about, right? I mean, when you're dealing with good people who have made it this far in their career, they frankly don't care about being the smartest person in the room anymore. They just want you to show them the evidence that this thing or that thing works, has worked in the past, will work in the future based on trends or projections. So I think usually as long as I go in armed with some pretty good evidence around whatever it is that I'm presenting, it's usually not that big of a, a pushback. I, I would say it's a very healthy tension. What does some of that evidence look like? The data and the insights, as it were. Have you got an example? Yeah. Traffic is a very, I mean, like not to be boring or like too like reductive. We instituted a major, uh, we overhauled our website in June. So that was a really, really big deal for us. And a lot of, not only did we, we, we revamp our website, we kind of relaunched our mission as a company, and along with that, a lot of our messaging. So to accompany that, you know, a lot of what we put forth on the website was very like aspirational as far as messaging. 
And I think at times we kind of missed the boat a little bit with maybe some of our SEO targets and some really smart people pointed out some of these mistakes to me. I was able to go back to the drawing board, look at what was working and what wasn't on an individual page basis, like heat mapping pages, looking at time on page, you know, like these kind of what some people would think of as vanity metrics until you need to actually start dive into like a serious SEO project. And then they're not vanity metrics anymore. Then they are the little incremental things that are going to get you to the next step. Indicators, right? Indicators, 100%. So that's a big project that I've been working on lately is improving SEO on like our primary like product solutions pages. Nice. Going exceedingly well. I'm really proud of that work. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But just to come back to your question, when you show people these incremental gains based on you know kind of their instruction, it gives them so much more inspiration and gives them so much more education, frankly, around like what you're doing from a content perspective. And it makes, it just makes the whole thing that much easier. Yeah. Especially when dealing or working with senior decision makers, even the C-suite, they just more often than not, they want their assumptions tested. Right. And I think when you bring the data and the insights, the type of evidence that you were just talking about, they feel so at ease. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's it's like I said earlier, it's not necessarily that anybody at this point in our careers like has to be the smartest guy in the room, but at the same time, it's so gratifying to be validated in your assumptions, right? You shouldn't let your gut like dictate your decision making, but it's where the testing process starts, right? And it's where that the growth market is kind of like scientific method begins. And that's really fun. And it's really cool to have you know, somebody from the C-suite say, hey, Kyle, I've got this idea. I noticed that we're struggling here. What do you think about this? And I can say, hey, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really great idea. And then to be able to verify that for them, like two or three months down the line with, yeah, I did exactly what you were thinking and you were right. That's a, everybody wins, right? And that's that's how you like have like better unity among your organization and happier employees and all that good stuff. Exactly. Such a good philosophy. You mentioned a second ago, SEO, which we'll get into in a second, but it does bring me to something I do want to ask you around content promotion. Do you have a dedicated content distribution approach? Yeah, uh, we do, of course. <laughs> we try it's a loaded it question, holistic. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a loaded question. I mean, we we have, to borrow your term, we have a pretty robust distribution strategy. We have a very sophisticated, in my opinion, editorial calendar that's more of a matrix that feels a lot more than just like, okay, what are our blog topics for the next three months? It's more like, how are we going to get the most bang for every single buck that we're spending on content? And you probably know, Tom, like what I'm getting at here is like repurposing your content. Sure. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to write a one-off blog about this kind of digital marketing adjacent topic with some long tail keywords that'll hopefully get us some views and maybe an ebook download from a CTA, right? I want to write a series of blogs on a topic that I know is producing a lot of volume with a fairly low difficulty score to rank for. And then I want to turn that blog, because I already have the material, into an ebook. And then once that ebook is published and I'm converting and it's out there in the world, I want to start putting it into other automation campaigns that like our, our email strategists are working on, right? And like, here's a proof point of like our thought leadership on this topic. I want to take that ebook and I want to break it down into uh, infographics, right? So like one topic, 10 pieces is kind of my general philosophy. Love it. And I'm guessing that works quite well for you, hey? It has to, because we are a lean team. We are a lean, mean fighting machine. So I do have a lot of great support. Everybody I work with is fantastic. Super great marketers, super great writers. 
We have great freelancers. The whole team is wonderful, but we don't have the firepower that maybe some of our competitors do all the time. So we, we are very efficient and I like to think that we're very effective. Love it. Speaking of eBooks, how effective are they for you? Cause I know a lot of marketers like to shit on gated content at the moment, but I still think they yeah. have a place. So how are they performing for you? Yeah. So I believe in doing like the fundamentals the right way. I think that so often people want the magic silver bullet, especially when it comes to content. My silver bullet, honestly, Tom, is that there is no silver bullet. You do the right things the right way, and you're probably going to have success. Like there's a reason that like Google's algorithm works the way that it does. There's a reason that like the funnel exists, right? There's a reason why people are so hot and heavy on good customer adoption campaigns right now. So all of this circles back to like eBooks. Sure, they've been around a long time. Are they the sexiest thing in the world? No, but like books have been around a long time. Like do people not read Charles Dickens anymore? You know, like it is a great way to convey information in exchange for a lead. And for us, since we're marketing to marketers about marketing, you know, from a, as a marketing automation company, I know that I'm not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes when I gate a piece of content. I know that whoever's downloading this can expect follow-up, can expect a nurture program, can potentially expect to hear from an SDR, right? They're aware of this, yet they're still willing to exchange their contact information because at this point, they're starting to believe in Acton's content as a whole, whether it's thought leadership or product specific, it doesn't matter. It tells me that we're doing a good job because our numbers keep increasing for our conversions. Our conversion rate keeps increasing. And as our nurture programs get better and better, our general ROI keeps increasing because we're starting to see a lot more deals close from these long form pieces of content because our nurtures are smarter because we're including case studies, we're including data sheets. We're making sure to have like secondary CTAs and all of these that give people a chance to talk or book a demo or whatever the case is. It's very refined digital marketing, bringing me back to the whole concept of we're doing the easy things the right way. And I'm really proud of that and really happy about that. Absolutely. I think if an ebook campaign isn't working for you, you're either not giving enough value within that piece of content or you're not communicating the value properly. Yeah, I've seen a lot of ebooks, um, and you probably have too, that are essentially like a glorified infographic. Pretty much. You know, like, cool, here's, you know, 350 words on this like massive, massive topic. It's like, well, maybe you should have done that then on something very specific and like made that clear on your landing page. Like, hey, here is your quick and dirty five-step guide to implementing secondary lead scoring models. Okay, cool. Great. Now I know what I'm expecting as opposed to here's 600 words on like how to implement a digital marketing strategy well, bucko, like that's not going to, that's not going to cut it. You know, that's, that's not providing the value that I need. So I don't care how many emails you send me, like you're going to the spam filter and now you've got a whole other issue because now you've got deliverability problems. And so now you've got your email team barking up your tree, giving you a hard time because you're creating poor content. Precisely. That is the right way to do it. And it sounds like you've nailed it. You mentioned the word specific and actually that helps me dive into your approach to doing the simple things really well, diving into a specific topic Absolutely. Is there a point where it ever gets too granular? It depends on the type of content you're creating, in my opinion. I think that people, myself included, can be verbose, I guess would be a a nice way of putting it. People can be long-winded about things that maybe could be a little bit more concise and you could summarize things a little more quickly. But, you know, Google teaches us right now, long-form content's really where it's at. 
I think I saw, I was on like a, I think it was like search engine journal did a, a webinar maybe six months, a year ago that I was on. And I think the average word count for like a page one Google article now is like 1850. Right. That's the 1,850 words, something like that. So that there is a sweet spot, I think for any sort of content. And there is a point where maybe you're getting a little bit too granular, but I think we are reaching a point of critical mass with like thought leadership stuff where people understand the basics of how to do things or like, or the goals that you want to achieve from a marketing perspective. I don't care if it's outbound, inbound, analytics, reporting, like whatever, high level people get it. But I think we're moving into a point where people want the more granular, how to do this thing, not why to do this thing, but like, how do I actually do this thing? And that actually lends itself really well to act on because we can always tie in like, okay, here's what the thing is. Here's why you should do the thing. Here's how you can use Acton to do the thing. So maybe that's like implementing a website visitor tracking, right? Uh, which Acton has a pretty pretty cool feature that can help you do that. So you can get too granular, but it's a smarter way to kind of funnel your information and whatever piece you're writing from kind of the more 30,000 foot view to maybe the more 500 foot view. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk SEO then, because we've, we've teased upon it a little bit. Do you have like yep. a organic growth strategy both around the product pages you were talking about earlier but your your content and do they all feed into each other together yeah they definitely do i think like your internal linking is such an important part of like what you're getting at specifically are you like these things should never be operating in a silo right like your your blog is probably going to be like the most fun thing for your writers right but like just because it's fun doesn't mean that it shouldn't be productive and it shouldn't be funneling into like the larger business goals and objectives and relating to, you know, if you're like, I don't know whether you're B2C or B2B e-commerce or like product and solutions type pages, you got to make sure that you're talking, that you're staying on topic, even if you're kind of maybe venturing out with some long tail keywords or whatever, or, or your topics are a little bit more maybe parallel as opposed to specifically aligned with some of this stuff. But you can't stray too far off the path, no matter how much fun you want to have. Linking is always going to be a critical thing to like your primary pages. And I'm not sure, I hope that not too many of your guests have talked about this yet, but I think like the most talked about slash like underrated aspect of SEO, because people just don't want to put in the work is backlinking. Mm, yeah. Because it is frustrating as hell <laughs> and it can be a huge pain in the butt. And you're going to hear a lot of no's, but when you are able to, I've never looked under the hood. I don't know what Google's algorithm is exactly, but I know a lot of smart people will preach the importance of backlinks. Um, people oh, it like, matters, yeah. Yeah. It correlates every time. Big time, every time. And even if it's, you know, like don't get black hat about it, you know, don't just start, you know, spamming people and begging for backlinks from sites that get 300 views a year, you know, that's not going to help you. But just be really thoughtful and deliberate in your in your thought process about who's in our space that could give us a hand like we just got a backlink from a cool company like Instavision. Like this morning, I just got confirmation that we got a, a backlink from them. And they're they're like kind of in our space, you know, like they're a thing that digital marketers would know about. Are they in automation? No, not at all. But like, that's kind of the cool thing. Like, of course we wouldn't get a backlink from HubSpot. You know, like we you kind of start playing and dancing around the fringes a little bit from these sites that are upcoming, trending. They have good site authority already. And they're kind of, like they're just neat and fun. So you know that like the sky's limit for them. So if you can get backlinks to sites that like their site authority is kind of a medium and, and maybe trending upward, that's fantastic because six months from now, 
that site's going to have awesome authority and you will have gotten in on the ground floor. And also now you have a relationship with these people because you probably had a few back and forth emails. Suddenly there are guests on your podcast or they're doing guest blogging to help you out. Speaking opportunities at conferences, right? All sorts of stuff. So there's like, just like this weird networking aspect to SEO that I think it's overlooked a lot. That is something that we're trying to take a larger, broader, and more in-depth approach to at Acton. I love that. I love that so much. Like you call it the network effect at Grizzle. We call it relationship-driven outreach in that it's sure. all about building relationships and it's all mutually beneficial for the long term. And we've we've had content you know, rank above the likes of HubSpot where a particular, you know, competitive article has hundreds of backlinks before, which is great. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the long-term effects, link building matters. That's a really interesting insight. Yeah, it's so important. And then, you know, just to round out like SEO stuff, I'll be a broken record. Like it is back to basics, you know, like understand, I think a lot of, especially maybe like younger content marketers, I could, I know this because I, I certainly was guilty of it. The, you see like these massive, like uh, you do your, your keyword research, right? And you see like, oh my God, look at that volume. I want that volume. I want that 8,000 views a month, right? Well, sorry, I got news for you. Like if you're just now starting to create like a strategy around this specific keyword and it's getting, you know, five, 10,000 views a month, well, you already lost that game. That game's over, that ship has sailed. You need to look for the sweet spot based on who you are as a marketer, who your company is in like your growth path. Don't look at the volume, look at the difficulty level. I would so much rather be able to look at a keyword that gets a thousand views a month that has a keyword difficulty of 30, right? I know that I'm going to be able to rank for that because I know the best practices around SEO. And all of a sudden I'm going to be ranking fourth for a keyword that gets five to 600 views a month. I'm going to be getting 200 extra views a month for two hours worth of work. Not to mention the the secondary keywords as well. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. Your long tail keywords, right? Like the good Yoast type stuff that you're trying to accomplish. Like all the, the rising tide of a primary keyword will lift all of those ships, right? And then as your blogs are getting more traffic and your product pages are getting more traffic, even if it's incremental, right? 100 views here, 50 views there, 200 views there, your site authority is gaining. Like that's something I think a lot of people forget. It's not always about this page or that blog or this, that, the other. It's how is this contributing to a larger narrative in the eyes of Google, right? And I think that that's, that's a really important because as your site authority grows, all of a sudden these other things that you're working on that maybe didn't used to rank so well, Google trust your site they just start performing better almost as if on their own, you know? It's fascinating you say that because my next question was going to be around what you would do to build a content strategy for a SaaS startup. And it kind of feels like that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's, it's almost, well, your question is interesting. It's almost more of a, a business question than a content question. Although, I mean, you could say they're two sides of the same coin, right? It's understanding your niche at this point. There are so many SaaS companies out there. There are so many startups out there. A lot of them are doing wonderful things. A lot of them fall on their faces because, you know, maybe they flew too close to the sun or, you know, maybe they had these grand visions and they came out hot and didn't understand what the market was actually asking for. I was listening to your podcast with Rand Fishkin and his new endeavor. What is it called? Spark Toro. Yeah, Spark Toro, right. And he was saying something that I thought was really smart about like, we didn't want to just put something out there that people were going to say, meh, 
this is fine. So like their beta testing period, I think he said was something like seven or eight months. Like it, it was, was really, it expensive. was nearly two years. Oh, wow. From, from, okay. If I'm recording correctly, it was a long time. It may have been 18 months. Yeah. Think about that. Think about the amount of like blood, sweat and tears that probably went into that. But you know what? They got it right. You know, and and so now they don't have to worry. I mean, obviously, you know, having having someone like Rand Fishkin, like, you know, being associated with something like that probably doesn't hurt either. But they really it sounds like they really took their time to understand their market and build out a product that people were looking for and, and kind of begging for. And I think a lot of times it's very easy for SaaS startups to take a myopic perspective and kind of a selfish perspective of like, well, what do I want? Not only what do I want, but what do I want to say? Well, that's cool. But like, what do your customers want and what are your customers saying? And I know that sounds really simple and you've probably heard variations of that before, but I don't think people take it seriously enough sometimes. So that's where you would start, especially, you know, that's a good segue into like content. It doesn't matter what I want to say. What I want to say is usually irrelevant. It's what do you want to hear within like a factual basis, right? I don't want to like piss on your leg, tell you it's raining kind of thing. <laughs> I, want, I want to be honest and I want to be forthright. But like, honestly, at the end of the day, my opinion on what you think is going to accelerate your business is not irrelevant, but it's going to be, it's secondary to what, what you're asking me for. And by you, I mean, kind of more like the royal you. So like, that's the research that you're doing, the market research to understand your customers and what they want. A hundred percent. I think that's a... Uh... A great way to to wrap all that up. I do have one last question for you before I let you go. Yeah. What are you working on right now that you are super jazzed about? Super jazzed and also super tired. (laughs) We are working tirelessly to put together a conference. Acton is hosting what we really think is kind of the premier growth marketing automation conference in the world at the end of May. It's May 25th and May 26th. It is free. It's for marketers of kind of all backgrounds, all skill sets, all industries. We'd love to have you. Uh, you can register at acton.com forward slash growth marketing conference 2021. And we're really excited about it. We are announcing keynote speakers. I think, what is today? The third? I think we're shooting for like the 11th or the 12th, maybe. Don't hold me to that. But within a couple of weeks, we're going to have our keynotes. Nice. Super excited about some of those. Like, is there anyone you can tease about at the moment or is it still embargo? I can't, I can't tell. I wish I could. I, I, here's what I'll say. These are people that I've personally wanted to talk to my entire career and I'm going to get the chance to do that. So I think that your listeners will be excited about it too. I think I'm going to register as soon as we're done here. Thanks for that, mate. Sounds exciting. And like you say, tiring. Yeah, no, uh, literally exhausting. And we have another, uh, like what, 11 weeks to go, but We'll get there. Like I said, we got a great team. I'm, I'm super excited about it. This is a really, really neat thing, I think, for Acton, putting ourselves out there in the market and doing something that's a lot of fun. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. You know, we're, we're working through our agendas right now and kind of our topic sessions and stuff. And it's really, really exciting to hear some of the ideas we're coming up with. So please do join us again. It's acton.com uh, forward slash growth marketing conference 2021. We'd love to have you. Perfect. I'll be registering. Kyle, thank you so much for lifting the hood up on everything that you're doing at the moment where can listeners learn more about you what you're up to and act on honestly linkedin facebook i'm not a twitter guy i know that is like sacrilege for a content person you're not a millennial (laughs) (laughs) i know i know right i think i'm just a very stubborn person and like twitter annoyed me when it first came out it's like it's like marmite okay so i don't know if you've Marmite's a very UK thing, I realize. It's uh, it's a bit like Vegemite in Australia. Yeah. 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 Yeast extract. You either love it or hate it was their advertising totally. slogan. 
Totally. But like, I'm at a point now where like, I really understand the value of Twitter, but like, I'm just such a like stubborn Irishman that I fit like, I can't like expose my hypocrisy, but maybe I should. I'll hop on Twitter guys. And then you can probably find me at like Kyle McCarthy 84 or something like that. Yeah. But for now, yeah. LinkedIn hit me up via like acting email stuff. I'm always available to talk content and yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Tom. Yeah. Kyle, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Cool. Cool. Take care. Thanks for listening. Before you dash, just a quick note to share a free ebook we just published called the Content Operations Playbook. If you're interested in content marketing and SEO, then this ebook is for you. We lift the hood up on our own editorial and content production processes from hiring writers, creating solid content briefs, polishing content to be the best it can be, and of course, distributing it to actually generate traffic. It's totally free and you can download it over at grizzle.io forward slash content ops. That's www.grizzle.io forward slash content ops. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to subscribe. We've got a lot of great conversations lined up with experts in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship coming up. Thanks again.